Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Monday, December 2nd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 343, featuring Evan Valenti and me. You got us both. A couple of hosts for you here on the CLNS Media Network, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag, use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your next deposit. All right, let's get into it here. New edition of Celtics Beat. Appreciate uh, Joe Sway filling in for both Evan and I last week. Very rare that Evan and I are both unavailable in a given week, but that is what we ran into last week. So Joe stepped in and, of course, upstaged us both, Ev, because he had uh, Cedric Maxwell on the show. Yeah, very cool, Joe Sway, to to actually get a really uh, legit guest on that has, like, multiple uh, eras of Celtic-like pride in him, which is, you know... Look, you've had Max on before, though, so it's not like you haven't done that. I've never had Max on, though. No, but for him to go, uh, you know, way way to go out of your way to uh, basically make last week's show automatically better than this week's because you bring on a guy who has more clout than the rest of the three of us put together. I'll say this, though. Can can I just pump us up for a second? I just want to pump us up for a second. That is a cop-out by Joe Sway because Joe Sway is Max's producer on his podcast on CLNS Media. So it's like a, hey, Max, you owe me sort of thing. Help me out here. So, I look – Max is great. We love Max. Love having him be part of the family. But, I mean, you know, look, Joe Sway's got an end with Max. Max probably owed him a favor. It's true. There is there is some of that. Although, I was uh, – I, I don't know how often – of course, we remind people. We encourage and, and hope that you will subscribe to the show, Celtics Beat, on iTunes. You can just uh, go to iTunes, search Celtics. It'll pop right up or even search Celtics Beat. Make it easier for yourselves. And generally speaking – and this show is obviously predated the both of us. It's been around for a little while, but the uh, the ratings are are far more positive than not. Uh, generally, we get the five star review. The feedback when people do leave comments are good. Sometimes though, they get they get a little backwards. I don't know if you noticed this. I, I logged in uh, just the other day and I pulled this up. Someone left a comment going back. I don't know week week and a half ago. And the subject line, this was right after the Tony Allen show, which was a, I thoroughly enjoyed the TA show. It was great. And the comment was, uh, great to hear TA look back on Celtics glory days, lifelong relationships and appreciation for C's fans. No surprise. Marcus is his man. Great interview. Keep up the outstanding content. Uh, always a fantastic look behind the scenes with the sons of red. You know what the, the star rating review we got though? One. One. I think you got backwards on how that's supposed to work uh, look that's actually 
I kind of love it. Like here, here's a ginormously positive written review with a lousy star review. That's great. <laughs> right. That's great. I prefer it the other way, to be honest with you folks, if you're going to try and do this. What would be yeah, really great that, is if you gave us a five-star five review stars. and talked about how terrible Adam and I are. That would be also – that would work better if you're going to do something like that. To that point, though, there was a comment 10 days earlier that uh, the subject line was just fairly horrible with a poop emoji. Beautiful. And then it's, it says, panders to guess opinions, no original thoughts. And I've I've said this to you through text whenever we will talk about the show because of course you produce all these shows so you you listen to all of them I mean heck you listen back to them more than I do and and more than anyone in the public I would imagine does yes and uh, you know the uh, I I th- I feel like a lot of the time the guests are kind enough to pander to my opinions I I don't think it's the other way around if you if you want to attack me on no original thoughts that's okay but uh but as far as the pandering I think it goes the other way well look there's a lot of agreement cuz you and I are both very smart when it comes to talking basketball in certain Naturally. like regards so like you know some of our opinions are going to be very easily uh agreed with some of them are, like most of them aren't like are like con- we don't do a lot of the hot takes like you know we're not going to sit here and and just have a hot take to have a hot take. If you're going to have something controversial to say, you're going to have a decent amount of information or, or statistics or whatever to back it up. So it's not like we're not hot take artists, which is, you know, could be a, could be a thing. It's a corner of the internet, but it's not what we specialize in. We specialize in with great shows. And it's not like we haven't been controversial. I mean, I go back to the Dr. P show constantly and I get yep. very mad about how people, um, were a little ju- too judgmental of that show because it wasn't what they wanted to hear about Kyrie Irving. But, you know, finding out later on that knee, knee injury, Dr. P was right on the money about it, like literally right on the money months before Kyrie had setbacks, before he uh, had to, you know, get his knee trained again. So, look, we we come at you with the, the highest quality, most factual show, and if we agree with some people, then so be it. I'm I'm curious. I heard you pushing buttons. Are you making breakfast right now? Uh, no, there is, uh, look, I'm at work and, and, uh, I have somebody warming up a cop. My father just warmed his coffee behind me. I, I did have breakfast though already, which is good. Okay. That's a good thing. You know what? It's, it's also good that you brought up Kyrie Irving because I'm sure you've paid attention. Uh, I'm sure most people have paid attention, at least those that listen to this show and, and do follow us on Twitter because I have, uh, really, I've been under attack. I've been yes, under I've watched. The, last, uh, the last couple of weeks regarding Kyrie Irving. And I, I feel like to an extent I have addressed this on the show before, but it, it got, you know, that much more uh, magnified, if you will, with the home and home against the Nets that, as we know, and I don't think anyone should be shocked by, and we pretty much previewed this thing going into it when the season began, let alone a couple games out or whatever, Kyrie Irving did not play. He was never going to play in those games. He has a history of this now. He has not played against a former team since the very first matchup with Cleveland, which he basically had to because it was opening night. And that game is remembered for Gordon Hayward going down for the season and screwing up his next two years. So we remember all of that stuff. He hasn't played against the Cavs since, and now in two tries or two opportunities, he's not played against the Celtics. And so I have had my fun ribbing the guy uh, since he left and really even before he left, but even all the while, just so there's no double standard out there because people seem to think that, that I'm, I'm running away from, from, you know, wrong takes like old takes exposed or whatever. I thought Kyrie Irving was going to ultimately resign in Boston. I really did. I was fooled into believing that when push came to shove, he was going to come back. 
could not have been more wrong about that. And little did we know, most of us, that he checked out like last December and just mailed it in for the rest of the year, which was very obvious in that playoff series against the Bucks. But neither here nor there, that happened. Fine. I was wrong. I don't care. I- I'm going to be wrong a lot. I've been wrong a lot. I will be wrong a lot more. That's going to happen often. But I'm also right a fair amount of the time. And I hated the trade back when they made it. Ultimately, I let myself kind of convince you know, myself that it, oh, okay, this, this was the right move and, and this is what you do and he's going to figure things out and he's going to grow up and he's going to be a leader and blah, blah, blah. None of that ever happened. Fine. So we go to the present. Two chances to play against the Celtics. He doesn't. Not because he, you know, this shoulder is that bad. I'm no, I'm no doctor. I'm not Dr. P. But I feel like if, you know, if it were important to him to play in these games, he would have. You know, he, he wasn't debilitated by that, you know, shoulder impingement. And is that painful? Probably. I haven't experienced it. So I'm not, I'm not attacking the guy for, for, you know, having an injury and not wanting to play through it, I'm more attacking the response to all of it. And the fact that he gets booed, he gets jeered from hundreds of miles away and feels the need to do what he does, which is respond in either in a, in a, a long, kind of like me right now, a, a long word vomit salad. And in this case, instead of in front of the media, he does it on social media, and it's it, it was it was painful to even get through the post. Where ultimately, if you want to just put it all together, all he really says is, "Guys, chill out. It's a game, a game that is important to me, but not as important as it is to you." And I didn't play. I don't care. I don't know why we're talking about this. There are more important things in life than all the stuff that you guys are harping on. But this guy is just so neurotic and so self-righteous and it's so annoying that I am, I guess, unlike most people, where I can simultaneously enjoy the successes of the Celtics in the Kemba Walker era and everyone else and also enjoy Kyrie Irving's failures or struggles or conflict or drama or whatever word you want to attach to it in Brooklyn. I can I can mutually Enjoy both of those things. I don't need to pick one. And it, it, I guess it surprises me that so many Celtics, or at least a, a loud, a, a vocal, you know, minority on Twitter that have been coming at me recently are so wanting to just move on and put it in the past when this guy made things so miserable for the better part of two full seasons. Well, so, I, so here, here's the deal. Like, so yeah. I, I won't act like I'm any different than what you got going on right now. I just don't do it very vocally. Like, so uh, I really enjoy this Celtics team. It's not like we don't. And I'm sure we'll get into more about it in a little bit. But I really enjoy this these team. I love Kemba Walker. It's just a, a, a breath of fresh air to watch these guys um, in comparison to last year, right? So they they've and it's not just the Kyrie piece that's missing. I mean, Marcus Morris not being here, Terry Rozier not being here opens up things. I think for other guys, which is great. Kyrie's the big name, obviously, and that's what we're going to talk about. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I am not like the pettiest person in the world, and I don't. And I, I do take a ton of enjoyment in watching the Nets lose because Kyrie bailed on this team. I mean, he really did. And, and you can ask anybody you want, and you can read all the quotes you want from Jay King if you want, from Jackie Mack if you want. A whole bunch of people have done you know deep dive stories on this. I, I he quit on the team in the playoffs. 
and that's really embarrassing because his team was built for him, and he just completely gave up and wanted to go somewhere else without telling anybody really what was going on in his mind, except for Marcus Smart, who had lost his mom. So I get that there's a, that bond there. But if you had just let everybody know what was going on in your head, I'm, sh- I'm sure the the Celtic general public would have would have been able to support him in some sort of way, showed him some love, some way, some whatever. He said that the, his grandfather dying made him re you know reimagine things and wanted to go home or whatever. I do take I do take a lot of enjoyment watching the Nets lose. However, I don't I don't see the need to be public about it anymore. Look, I, I you know whatever with Kyrie, I, he's a weird guy. He, he clearly at this point um, needs somebody else to lead for him um, and to take that pressure off him, which is hopefully what Durant can provide him when Durant comes back. Um, and Kyrie's magnificent with the ball, but I think what we're learning about Kyrie now that we've seen him away from LeBron um, is that Kyrie's a complicated guy. In a couple different respects, both on the court and off the court. Like, if you look at it on the court stuff, the Nets have played a lot better without him around. Like, Spencer Dinwiddie's have, mm-hmm. having a little bit of a bounce back. You know, Joe Harris is getting a little bit more involved and to be a little more comfortable out there. I love watching Jarrett Allen play, and I'm, I'm glad that Kenny Atkinson is finally going to more Jarrett Allen uh, than he is uh, DeAndre Jordan. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, Boston and their fans, and including you, Adam, need to be more focused on. You know, uh, uh, you know, a Toronto team that's really, it's not like the East is bad. The East has got a lot of great teams in it. Toronto's yeah. really good this year. Siakam's gone a different level. Uh, we all know Giannis and the Bucks are going to be really good. At some point, I got to assume Philly's going to figure something out. Um, it's, and, and just the talent there is, is unbelievable and undeniable. You know, the Pacers will get Oladipo back. They might take a jump forward. The Miami Heat have been a really fun storyline this season and they've been really good. So there's a lot of competition for Boston around where, you know, if Boston was bad or not, or mediocre, I could sit here and just make fun of Kyrie all day. But because Boston's so good, I'd rather focus on the good stuff happening around Boston right now, you know, the, the development of Jason Tatum, the, the, the leap from Jalen Brown, the, the breath of fresh air that is, uh, a guy like uh, Kemba Walker, um, you know, praying someday that Grant Williams hit a three, uh, and, and, reveling in all that stuff and enjoying all that stuff, watching Marcus Smart become a better playmaker and a, a better distributor and a better guy, a better guy prod in the lane. So, like, I, I understand why some people want to reflect on it, and I, I'm not going to hate on it because I do it internally and, and laugh. Um, but I, I keep that to myself for the most part, and, you know, I, I hope that uh, we can kind of move on here just because it's just – it's 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 exhausting. It's exhausting <laughs> keeping up with it. It was exhausting keeping up with it while it's here. Now that it's not here anymore, I want nothing to do with it. Well, so I – let me simplify it in, in a – I'll say in a much cleaner way than I – did before when I rambled for five minutes or however long that was. I think Chris Forsberg, he wrote a whole article about it, but the headline, whatever it was, it was something along these lines said it best, which is you can't fully appreciate all of the things that are going right for the Celtics this year, all the things that you just highlighted, the the difference in Kemba and his leadership and how well he fits this group and how well he's playing, the emergence and development of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and the ball movement and and the chemistry and, and you know, Marcus Smart really taking a leadership charge in a pseudo-captaincy of this team. You can't fully appreciate all of those things without recognizing where they were last year, and that largely goes back to Kyrie Irving as the head of the snake. So if we don't want to harp and do all the things that that I've been doing that is even at this point annoying some Celtics fans, maybe many Celtics fans, you know, that's fine. There are different ways to approach it, and you obviously just talked about that. But again, to fully appreciate where we are right now 
and where this team can be going against, like you said, the Bucks, the Raptors, the Sixers, the Heat, the Pacers, all these teams in the Eastern Conference and, and fighting to ultimately land at the top of the East when all is said and done, if all goes well, it's worth acknowledging, again, where they were and just to allow them to get to this point. And, you know, I, it, it transitions us well into looking at this latest win, right, against the Knicks. Not a good team. We know that. So it's not as though it was this great win. The Knicks are lousy. They're the worst team in the Eastern Conference, one of the worst teams in the NBA. But what was special about it is that, and Kemba Walker talked about this after the fact, he struggled, or at least by Kemba standards, he only had 13 points. He did have a double-double. I think it was his first one in Celtics uniform, actually. But the guys who really stood out, Tatum went for 30 points. Jalen Brown went for 28 points. Remember, Gordon Hayward's still out till around Christmas time. So it was those two guys who really showed out, who really balled, who really, you know, hashtag the future is now, all of that stuff. These guys are operating not just with an enhanced skill set that just comes with age and natural development, but with increased confidence that they were never really able to develop and then display over the last couple of years. And again, part of that is growing up as a pro, but part of it is getting stifled by your environment last year. Whereas this year is, is just a much healthier setting for them, quite frankly, for, for their development and for them as people. And we're seeing the dividends, you know, both these guys are averaging the neighborhood of 20 points. Yeah. You and I, you and I talked about this, uh, like via text message a couple of weeks ago about how I think it was like the first game after that San Antonio game where, um, Gordon went down with a broken hand. And I said, you know, this is a really important time for Jalen Brown because Jalen's going to get an opportunity to step into a more, uh, a busier and a, and a more active, um, uh, I, I would say role of this team as a, as a, as a scorer, just as a scorer in general. And what's been nice about it is Jalen has taken that pretty personally, has, has had a lot of really great games since that particular win in uh, San Antonio, 25, 22, 22, 18, 22, 24, 22, 28, yesterday against the Knicks. What's really great is you're seeing guys shoot the ball with confidence um, whenever the time of the game is. And you, like yesterday, you want to talk about the Knicks game. Uh, both Jalen and Jason, were the, they were the best two players on the floor for Boston. It, it wasn't even close. Um, and, they're, and those are the two guys taking over the shot clock, taking over the ball, dominating the ball. At the end of the game. Now look, the Knicks are terrible and I, I, I was never really nervous about the game only because I knew the Knicks would find a way to blow it. It's the way the Knicks do things. It's the way they <laughs> operate. Okay. So I wasn't really shocked that the Knicks were somehow able to just squander that lead away late in the fourth quarter. Not shocking. But what was shocking was how Boston was able to get things done. It wasn't the best Kemba game. He was not great in this game. Um, and, and he's had a, a rough go of it the past couple of games. You know, you look at that game back in the, you know, in LA with the Clippers, you know, the, the height of, of the Clippers obviously makes it difficult for him. Not really shocking there. Um, just because they have a lot of size, length and athleticism that Boston doesn't seemingly have all the way on the floor like they do. But Kemba yesterday wasn't terrific. Six of 18, three and nine from three point range, had 10 assists, which is nice. But it's the two young guys who are going to be the guys that carry you forward that really carried the team late in the game. And I know it's the Knicks. It doesn't really matter. Do it against a better team. Yes, all good and fine. But the fact that these guys were willing and had the ability to step up, like you know, you look at last year, you know, Kyrie dominates the ball at the end of games, not Jason Tatum and not Jalen Brown, and they're not getting out in transition nearly as much. So, with the way this team has transformed a little bit to kind of favor their young wings, Jalen and Jason, surrounded by guys that are really smart, Kemba, Marcus, uh, and and uh, I'll, I'll put Gordon Hayward in there when he comes back, um, kind of just. 
shows me that they've picked a different direction and they're going to move a different direction. And I think it's the right direction they're moving in. I just love the balance. I really love the balance. And I know that, and, and look, just to keep with the theme of things that I was wrong about, I loved the balance over the last couple of years. You know, you talk about all, all those guys that are gone now, Kyrie, Horford, Morris, Rozier, Baines, you know, there you could make the case. And, and we said this last year, Danny Ainge has, has brought this up, uh, Brad Stevens as well, this year in talking about some of the differences between these last couple of years. The fact that, you know, you could at any given point argue last year that you had eight, nine guys who could justifiably start, be it on the Celtics or just on an NBA team in general. You don't have that this year where the benefit of that, and I don't remember who it was on the show recently we talked to that about, but the fact that you have a lot of balance, but you also have defined roles. And that was one thing that was missing last year was defined roles. You know, even when Gordon Hayward does come back soon in a few weeks or, you know, sooner in a perfect world, but probably not, Kemba Walker knows what he is supposed to do. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, especially all these guys know what they are supposed to do, how they fit into the scheme of this team, and nobody's bickering over a final shot or if they don't get the final shot or anything like that. And those are your five guys that nothing's going to change. Those are your five that are going to average double figures this year. Everybody else, role player. And, you know, sometimes they may start, and it's Cantor, Daniel Tice, maybe Robert Williams down the line, and other guys are going to come off the bench and, and they are going to do what it is they do. Grant Williams. Obviously, we both love Grant Williams. Carson Edwards, like God willing, the guy will start to have some shots fall. Um, you know, hopefully Tremont Waters starts to see a little more time up here. I know he's he's limited by the amount of time he can spend, but you know, the one game we saw him was very encouraging. Javante Green, I thought was going to be, you know, doing a little bit more with Gordon Hayward out. We haven't quite seen that yet, but again, a guy that is uh, sort of battling with Shemi Ojale in a similar type of role. But again, you know where it is these guys fit into the the general rotational landscape of the Boston Celtics. And I think that balance is one of the main reasons, quite frankly, that they're having the success that they are. You know, we can buy into to team unity and, and chemistry and go into each other's charitable events and bonding on the road and all these different things that people talk about whenever a team is winning. I think that the roster makeup is a huge part of it. And Ainge recently acknowledged that that was a problem last year, at least, you know, to the extent that he said uh, where he took blame versus putting blame on Kyrie, that, that he wished he had cleaned out the roster a little bit for Brad Stevens. And, you know, what does that mean? Does it mean trading Morris? Does it mean trading Rozier? Does it mean trading both of those? Whatever. I don't know it, but what it proved was, and we, we dissected this a lot last year, so I don't want to harp, but what it proves is, there is such a thing as too much talent. If a lot of your talent is upset with the role within the team, if you have clear cut roles, a certain amount of balance can be better than putting together a team of, of, you know, this is overstating it, but trying to put a team of all stars together and just, you know, top to bottom, Hey, whoever's on the floor, we're going to run. That's, that's not the case. It doesn't work that way. And that, that comes from several places, but it comes from the guys, you know, it comes from a guy like Kemba Walker who's always willing to defer to his teammates if he needs to. It comes from a guy like, uh, Gordon Hayward who, if he needs to, will defer to his teammates, let them go. Like, that's kind of the beauty of, of, of Hayward and, 
and Kemba. Like they, you know, Hayward had success in Utah. It's a little bit different, but Kemba comes from a situation where he had to do literally everything. And if he wasn't getting it done, it wasn't happening that night. Now he can lean on other guys like, like, uh, like a Tatum or a Jalen or, or a, a Gordon when he comes back and, and not do as much. But, and that, it has to be, you know, guys willing to sacrifice a little bit. And that's the problem with last year's team. I didn't feel like guys were willing to sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like you have two young guys in Brown and Tatum who don't think they have to sacrifice because they got to the Eastern Conference Finals without two of the best players. And then the ball comes, you know, you have Gordon and, and Kyrie come back. And, you know, Kyrie needs to have the ball to be effective. And he's the one that thinks like, hey, I made one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history. And I took down a, a juggernaut, you know, Warriors team back before they got Durant. Uh, but still a juggernaut Warriors team that won a bunch of games. And, uh, you know, I'm the, the one that deserves to have all the, you know, the credit at the end of the games. I'm the This team just defers a little bit better. And, and it's a, it's amazing to watch. And again, it's only 19 games, but anybody with two eyeballs could tell you, or even one could tell you that this team just feels different. And that's, I think, the point that we're both trying to make here at the beginning of this pod is this team feels different by just with the subtractions. And it's all of them. And, it, and I go, and Danny, I think is running the money. It's not just about Kyrie. It was other guys too. It's a Rozier. It's a, it's a Morris. Um, and it's, and it's guys like Tatum and Brown kind of being pushed out of the periphery in those sort of situations. And now that they've condensed the roster, Brad is, is having an easier time figuring out what, you know, eight or nine guys he needs to play given every night. You know, you, the, you'll see a, a little bit difference. Like instead of, you know, Javante Green, they'll play Ojolai or they'll play, you know, uh, a lot of Brad Wanamaker and, and not a lot of Carson Edwards. You know, you're going to see a lot of that happen. You know, it'll be game dependent, but it'll be a little bit more concrete than it was last year where Brad's throwing darts at a dartboard and trying to make things stick. Let me break quickly just to remind people the show brought to you by betonline.ag. Football season's entering the final stretch, so get into the game with our exclusive sports betting partners, betonline.ag. You can sign up today, receive 50% on your welcome bonus, uh, your first deposit, start betting college or professional ball. I know the college season winding down, but you still got time with a whole bunch of bowl games coming up, national championship competition, all of that. Uh, every spread, every total, every winner, every loser, sprite bet, parlay, tease, all of it your way through the season. You can even bet on some uh, prop bets, future bets, who's going to win NFL MVP, looking like Lamar Jackson right now, Russell Wilson in that conversation still. I'm sure there will be other guys by the end or over the final month of the regular season that will climb into the mix, but you got to love what Lamar's doing, unless, of course, you're a Patriots fan to that end, Pats. Um, where do they stand regarding playoff and Super Bowl odds? Not quite as good after losing to Houston, but still – there are uh, there's money to be made there, and you could bet on the Niners, the Ravens, the Saints. You could go uh, for some longer shots, teams that aren't tied at ten and two atop the NFL. You could look all around. You can make your own custom prop, pick a stat. BetOnline.ag will give you the odds. So get the fastest market odds, updates, payouts as well with our newest sportsbook partners, BetOnline.ag. Head over to the website today. Use your mobile device to join and use promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. All right. So building on what we're talking about, and again, Celtics, they've, you know, is a, I, I put it the other day as a tough road trip. I think people misinterpreted that, at least on Twitter, as me saying it was a lousy road trip. It was just tough in terms of what they had to deal with, with Golden State, 
you know, that win was great. Sacramento, the narrow loss by a point. Marcus Smart's, uh, you know, floated in fall. They win in Phoenix. Then they lose the overtime game to the Clippers. They lose in Denver, a four-point game. I mean, we could have been talking about a 5-0 and road trip. You go 2-3, and three, you lose Kemba Walker to that stinger briefly, fortunately. I mean, God knows that could have been a hell of a lot worse and would have proved. Uh, I mentioned this also, you know, you run head first into Shemi Ojale's rib cage, and it, that must be like running into a truck. Uh, but, you know, just tough in the sense that there were a lot of hurdles. It was fine. Two and three is fine. It was encouraging in some ways. They never quit. They always battled, and they've responded well to it. You know, they come out of the trip. They've won three out of their last four, including, uh, you know, splitting those games in New York with Brooklyn and New York. And so now over the next couple of days or next couple of games, you got Miami at home on Wednesday. You got Denver at home on Friday. We'll likely have a show uh, either on Sunday or again on Monday. We'll find out as we get a little bit closer. But a couple more contests coming up where these are challenging. You know, Miami's good. Denver's good. The team is good. 14 and five. So. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter win or lose in terms of us projecting it. it whatever's going to happen is going to happen. But with with this team, I, I think there are just some some immediate things that you look at. For one, the severity of Marcus Smart's injury. We don't know. I know he had told Steeple Pet of the Herald that the abdominal injury that uh, he left that Knicks game with may cost him a little bit of time, might only be a game or two. Knowing Marcus Smart, who knows, maybe he still comes back and plays. Uh, he's as tough as they come. We know that. But then just looking around at, uh, you know, we, we've talked about some of the things that are encouraging. Tatum is encouraging. Brown's encouraging. Lord knows Walker's encouraging. And Smart is smart. You know, he's he's never not going to be encouraging, although you'd like to see that three-point percentage climb a little bit to show that last year was, was again, a trend and not just uh, an anomaly. But, uh, some of the guys, you know, you, I think you want to see a little bit more, obviously, from Carson Edwards because he can be that sniper, that that microwave off the bench, and we haven't seen that yet. And again, he's a rookie. I'm not going to condemn the guy not even 20 games into his first season, but you want to see a little bit more from him. You want to see a little bit more from some of these role players that we were talking about. You know, Grant Williams, I think, has been excellent in a lot of ways, but in other ways, you know, he's struggled. For instance, you know, most people probably don't know this off the top of their heads. He's only shooting 26% from the field. And this is a guy who who should be converting around the rim a lot more regularly than that. And he hasn't hit a three-pointer yet. You acknowledged that before. I think he's 0 for 21 or something like that. And generally speaking, these guys from three have, you know, struggled a bit. About 35% for the team, but, um, you know, Tatum is is down around 36 37 percent brown same thing although for brown that's not that bad um you know marcus again is about 33 percent i'm i'm going all over the place here and you can respond to all of it but you know i think there are definitely things to be encouraged by and most of them we've highlighted there's some things that we need to see improvement on about a quarter of the way into the season now and i will also add just to throw a, a wrench into what direction you may have been going of all the things that I've been wrong about with this team, nothing is higher on that list than me believing coming into the year that Brad Wanamaker. Yeah, was, see, I was going to mention that. Like you, you literally mentioned everybody's name, but Brad's, and I'm like, if you want to talk about encouraging? How about Brad Wanamaker being a like legit, legitimate uh, backup point guard that doesn't make you want to vomit when he touches the basketball? I mean, I'm being, I'm being serious it's about this in a way. That's right now too. He's he's having. From where, and I'll be honest, there's been a couple of guys, him and Daniel Tice, since the end of the year, have really impressed me with how quickly they've, they've thrown off, thrown me off their stench, essentially. At first, I was like, Tice, not, I mean, when he first came to the team, I was encouraged just because never seen him play basketball before. 
and he seemed like he was competent. And then last year, things weren't as great, and when this year started, you know, looked a little rocky game for Daniel Tyson. I was like, man, this is going to be a really tough Celtics big rotation if, if Robert Williams can't be amazing. Tice has been a lot better recently. I know his numbers don't jump off the screen at anybody, uh, but he's a really solid big who, in that group of four guys, Jalen, Kemba, Tatum, and then Smart Hayward, knows what he needs to do and does a good job of it. Wanamaker recently has been sort of a revelation, and he's been, you know, we go at the beginning of the year, and I love how Celtics Twitter will refer to him as the plumber at sometimes because it just is, yeah. it's just, I think, a very apt nickname. But the guy's been rock solid uh, for Boston, um, and you know, doesn't give you the turnover numbers like Rozier used to give you because Rozier would never turn the ball over. But other than that, he gives you a steady presence who's not afraid to take what the defense gives him because he's the backup point guard and always has like somebody around him, whether it's Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, take some pressure off him. He still knows how to hunt for his shot. And he's not a big guy. You know, he's 6'3". I'm doubting that. I think he's shorter than that. Uh, 2'10", I think is accurate. Um, but he's a guy that knows how to get in the lane and get his shot. And when he's open from three, he takes it. If he needs to drive the lane and set somebody else up, he does that. And he's been really great. And I'm a big Tremont Waters fan. I love him. I am, uh, I'm one of the biggest fans of his. And I was upset when Wanamaker got the spot over Waters because I think Waters could really play. Um, and when Scal was like, you know, when, before Waters' first game set, called him one of the, a top 20 pick and roll player in the game right now. I laughed because I think that's hysterically, you know, uh, high, it was a little hyperbole, but it just hmm. shows that he has fans. Wanamaker recently has made me almost forget about Tremont Waters and the fact that, you know, they're grooming him down in, in Maine for a year just so he's in the system and then next year he steps in for a much bigger role and Wanamaker moves on. He's been so good, and because they haven't had Hayward, a guy that is their other primary, you know, ball handler when things get, you know, bad. Um, Brad stepping up and becoming a uh, a guy that can can run the point with Marcus Smart, obviously, and facilitate and drive and kick and get this team into their half court offense is is something that's really great. And if they didn't have him, I I, I shudder to think where they'd be right now, only because when you have injuries to Hayward, when when uh, Kevin Walker goes down with what looked like a broken neck at first, uh, Smart's got like 18 different injuries already. We've only played 19 games. You know, when you have all those injuries. You need to have somebody, an adult, that can actually run point. You know, it's like you look at the Knicks as an example, and I know the Knicks are a dumpster fire, but, you know, they don't even have a real point guard when everybody's healthy, never mind if someone like Dennis Smith Jr. or Frank Nolakino were to get hurt, all right? So the fact that Boston has four viable ball handlers that can all distribute a little bit, and, and Tatum's getting better at that, and Brown's gotten better at that, um, but they can't run it full time. Brad at least gives you a calming presence, which is something that I never thought I would think of it coming into this season. And anyway, the funniest part about it is Wanamaker is the oldest guy in this team. It is pretty crazy. And again, I just I was so wrong thinking that uh, that he was going to be redundant. I, I think largely, and this this goes back to draft night. I just started to think that the way they were drafting, and and again, Brad in positionless basketball, and of course it presumes everybody being fully healthy, which never happens over the course of a, a season. But you're thinking at that point in time, Romeo Langford's going to be part of the team. I know he's not a point guard, but you're just thinking about all the different ways that that this roster would potentially uh, open the season. I, I was thinking that there wasn't really going to be a place for him. I was kind of surprised that that he was going to be back on the team or was back on the team and, and that he was going to be able to contribute in any sort of regularity. And clearly he has uh, – he's done that and he's been excellent. So it's been terrific. So – 
you know, as, as we look ahead and, and, you know, we're running a little bit long here. So we've got a couple games coming up. One thing that I do want to make sure we hit on because, um, you know, I haven't talked about it yet. I don't know about you. Um, there's this talk that started a couple weeks ago about in season tournaments and a postseason or pre postseason tournament. Some of the different ways that Adam Silver is considering shaking up the league. And I just think, I think the majority of it, the vast majority of it is wildly unnecessary because I think, especially with regard to social media, you're, you're already looking at next to the NFL anyway, the most popular league that there is far more popular than baseball, far more popular than hockey. You know, in the U S there, there isn't the concern over soccer by comparison. So you talk about the big four and I would argue, I don't have the, the math to back this up or the metrics. So maybe I'm wrong about this, but in my opinion, my experience, I feel like in social media, NBA is so much bigger than even the NFL, obviously as a sport, as a league, as a worth, as an entity, Football trumps everything. I recognize that. But social media, young fans, I think a lot of that is basketball. I There's there's an element of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And, you know, if people don't know what I'm talking about, I know you do, but some of the things that, that the NBA is, is considering is having – and soccer does this and, and obviously, you know, college sports do this – in-season tournaments, you know, shrinking the regular season down to 78 games from 82 with the difference in games being made up by this in-season tournament and an opportunity to, you know, host a trophy or hoist a trophy to, to as if that's going to mean anything to today's players. It's not. So you'd have to try and incentivize it with either players making more money if you win the tournament or there was a, a report somewhere of additional draft pick compensation being awarded to teams if you win the tournament. All of this boils down to, you know, the league trying to run away from the load load management craze that has begun in recent seasons or not begun but but intensified in recent seasons and uh and and obviously tanking, you know, for for trying to get the best lottery position. The league doesn't want to see any of that, and I understand that, and so they're trying to come up with new and creative ways to fix it. And I'm not sure, and I'm not going to claim that I have a better idea, but I'm not sure this is the right way to do it. And one thing that I really hate, because I, I, I'm i one of those rare people that I hate the one-game wildcard playoff in Major League Baseball. I know it's popular. I know most people love it. I hate it. To me, it is asinine to play 162 regular season games and have your season come down for two teams to one game before you have the opportunity to play on. And one of the things the NBA is looking at is having a tournament for the 6, 7, 8, 9 uh, team, or rather the 7, 8, 9, 10 teams, where the 7 and 8 teams would battle for the higher seed between the two, but you're guaranteed a playoff spot. And then the 8 seed would go against the winner of the 9 and 10 seed, and you have the opportunity basically to get knocked out of of a playoff spot at the very end in this, this end-of-the-year tournament where a team that didn't qualify through 82 or 78 regular season games can can bump you out. And to me, that is just, it's so wildly stupid. And, and some of these are the things that, and I'm overstating it, but some of these are the things that make the, it, it make it feels, feels like it renders the regular season useless in a lot of ways. You know, we're just, we're trying to do a little too much for the NBA's 75th anniversary season next year and fix something that again doesn't need to be fixed but you know that's the that's just kind of my my cliff notes thoughts on this i don't know how you feel about well, it all you, you look at so i what i do like is the fact that at least adam silver the nba understand that 
this game has been around for 75 years, but it doesn't mean it can't stop evolving, right? We're seeing right. stuff evolve on the court all the time, how the game changes, how, you know, bigs now are, are guys that are more away from the basket, um, have a little bit more passing skills, shooting three-pointers, opens up the whole game. So I like the fact that they're, they're trying to find different ways that they can adjust the game to make it better to grab another audience here, another grab another audience there. Remember, the NBA is a business, and the more eyes you can grab, the better your business is. So I, I really I appreciate that. I'm not sure if any of these things are going to work in terms of load management. Like just because you ha- you cut the, the regular season down from 82 to 78 doesn't mean that you know Kawhi Leonard is not going to be like, yeah, I don't feel like playing tonight, or you know, you're not going to see load management for for Paul George or for uh, a, a, you know anybody that gets hurt, or for Steph Curry or for uh, Clay Thompson or whatever have you, right? The the load management thing is still going to happen. It's just the way the game works because there are so many games um, throughout the regular season, unlike the NFL, which only has 16, and every game is monumental. Um, you know, you have an 82 game season or a 78 game season, you know, one loss doesn't totally take you out of the playoff picture, you know, like it does in football. So, you know, where football or guys are glorified, if you play through injury and you play hurt, um, in the NBA, it doesn't really behoove you just because there are so many games. Like if Tom Brady misses a game and they, and the Patriots lose that game, well, their life gets significantly different in the playoffs. If you lose a game because Kawhi Leonard didn't play one out of 82, it's not a big deal, and it, it stinks a little because you know you got people that are playing good, paying good money to go to see Kawhi Leonard at a game. He's not there. People get mad. I get it. I like that they're adjusting. Uh, I, I I like the tournament idea, but there's got to be again some a better incentive uh, for teams to try and make that tournament. Um, like I, I like the fact that like the winner gets added draft pick compensation. But there's probably a better way to do that. Uh, and, and look, at the end of the day, all I care about is the NBA getting better and finding ways to improve. And I, and I feel like in all the sports surrounding the NBA, they're the really only league that's thinking about how to improve it for everybody, the on-court product and for the players off the court. Like you look at the NFL, you know, we want to do an 18-game season. Well, yeah, well, that's going to really be great on a lot of guys' bodies. You know what I mean? Like the, the NFL game's already tough enough. we got to make it harder on guys by having them play 120 more minutes. That's not fun. That's more practices. That's bigger rosters, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Major League Baseball is thinking about cutting minor league baseball uh, down from like, you know, cutting 42 teams from the product because they want to save money. And then, you know, some of these, you know, teams employ a lot of people uh, throughout the community and, and you see a lot of people go through the doors. I don't think it's going to help a lot of people. At least the NBA is thinking like, okay, how do we benefit our product and get it and get a better product, which is, again, I, I commend Adam Silver for that. And it seems to be the only guy trying to do anything like that. I mean, the NFL is just like printing money at this point, so they don't really care. The NBA at least cares about it, cares about its players, say, they care about the players, at least sort of act on it. So I, I have nothing big to really say other than the fact that I think these things are good ideas, but they're not final products yet. And a lot of smart people are going to get in a room and try and find a way to make them better products. And I, and I, and I just appreciate that fact as a fan. I will at least say this. There, here's here's where I'm, you know, as unsurprisingly to most, will be a hypocrite on the issue. I could tell you if it happens and the Celtics are in these, you know, ridiculous in-season tournaments and stuff like that, I'll be tweeting about it like crazy. <laughs> just, you know, just like anybody else, you know, it'd be me and, uh, you know, Stooley from Barstool, you know, uh, Greeny, you know, just talking all about, uh, you know, posting highlights and, and our infatuation with Marcus Smart and God forbid they lose this and yada, yada. We'll just turn total homers about it, but um, you know, me, the general basketball fan, I don't like it. But anyway, like you said, 
smart people, and Adam Silver is is certainly smart, and and I have uh, all the confidence in him. He's he's my favorite commissioner in professional sports. Um, you know, he uh, he has not done any wrong by the uh, by the league since he has taken over. So hopefully that would not start now. But that's probably what do you think, Bud? About as good a place as us to. Uh, to end things, I think, for this particular show. Just want to pay more respect to Brad Wanamaker before we leave. He's just, he's been amazing. And, uh, I, me, like you, had no expect, I mean, I like Brad, but going to the season, no expectations, and he's been really, really solid. So I will eat crow gladly on the Brad Wanamaker slander I threw out earlier this year. And I'm going to, I'll gladly own the Daniel Tice stuff too. Uh, this team's fun. Let's enjoy it. Adam, give Kyrie a break. Let's move on. I'll give him a break for at least, uh, couple days all right today's show brought to you by betonline.ag go to betonline.ag use the promo code clns 50 for 50 percent bonus on your first deposit for evan valenti who's normally behind the scenes when he's not filling in for me i'm adam kaufman thanks for listening again subscribe to the show on itunes if you do and you leave us a uh, a very kind remark try and leave five stars as opposed to one we appreciate that and uh, we'll be back at you next time hopefully after a couple more wins gino get us out <laughs>